From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host of this week, back from vacation with my friend and colleague, Dr. Jeffrey Roach. How are you today, sir? Uh, doing great. Always uh, glad that you can take a vacation, but we're always glad when you come back. So glad you're glad you're back. It's it's nice to be wanted and welcome <laughs> back. I got to say though, we're we're recording this Monday afternoon, February twenty seventh. I am a dragging a little bit. I came in on Monday morning with just a burst of energy, ready to go, happy to be back, and and uh, you know after a real busy day, you know, and 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 a full week on the beach uh, that. The, the energy is starting to go. So you're going to have to bring us up a notch. Jeff. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We do start early around here. I think that's the key, right? We uh, we start way before the markets open up. Let me tell you that. Oh, we sure do. We sure do. Anything to help the uh, the LPL advisors and all of our uh, friends out there, uh, clients, investors, um, the, the general public, we're, we're, we're certainly here to help and we love what we do. So um, here's our agenda for today. We're going to talk about certainly last week's market action, which we always do. Uh, pulled out a few themes from last week. You know, we the biggest headline was just the the hot inflation number that um, has caused the market to ratchet up expectations for Fed rate hikes. Uh, but we also saw some weakness in mega cap growth stocks uh, that I think is is worth pointing out. Um, and um, you know, and then couple with the Fed fears, you did have, um, you know, move higher in the 10-year yield. And as interest rates rise, bonds become more competitive against stocks. Future earnings become less valuable in today's, um, you know, in today's um, uh, value. And you, uh, you know, you end up with, with, with the down week. So we did see a down week. And, um, Although maybe got a little bit of that back here on Monday, uh, right at the close. So um, that's the first part of the agenda. Then we'll talk about the debt ceiling, which is getting a lot of attention. We've been getting a lot of questions about just how that's going to play out. Uh, so we'll cover that. Um, and then Jeff, you have a comment on the on the services economy, which is you know kind of uplifting. You know, after the market's down, it's you know hard to be uplifting, but. Uh, which it certainly was uh, down last week, but um, there's there's still some good news here amid all of the recession fears, and that is that um, you know the services economy uh, does have some upside. And then we'll close it out um, as we always do with a preview of the week ahead. So here are um, recent returns. You know, just focusing on that one week column. There you see uh, the S and P 500 down almost three percent last week. So you know, not only the worst week of the year. Uh, it was, you know, the, the worst week we've seen since early December. And I, I think it really boils down to just more fears of more rate hikes. Uh, it's as simple uh, as that. Um, the, you know, the returns didn't really get any better if you looked overseas um, generally. So, you know, it was just kind of a, I don't know, a global, a global sell-off. Jeff, if I try to pull a positive out of this, though, uh, we are still up year to date. And so coming into this year, if you'd said, you know, we're going to add a couple of Fed rate hikes to market expectations, and yet the, the stock market would be up. I don't know if I would have believed that. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I think it it still fits with our, our bigger 2023 narrative 
that things will be choppy now as the consumer kind of retools, recalibrates, reassesses. And then, you know, the latter half of the year, particularly Q4, you know, a lot of the the headwinds that we still see and the uncertainties that we still have may be behind us. Um, so, you know, the first part is going to be a lot different than the latter half. You know, we're going to talk about the debt ceiling in a little bit. Um, that really plays into this idea of choppiness in the first part and uh, a little bit better latter half. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Fed expectations, uh, you know, thinking about internationals as well, Jeff, to your question, you know, with with the moves last week about the fact that, you know, the Fed actually might hike higher for longer, you know, that's actually not just a U.S. problem that investors are kind of getting their hands wrapped around. It's it's really a global thing. So, so for example, you know, as you mentioned, we're recording here on uh, the 27th. And uh, earlier today, the 10-year German bond traded at the highest yield since 2011. So, I mean, it's it's across the board. Wow. Investors are grappling with that with that unknown about future rate path. Yeah, we're we're a little ahead of Europe in terms of beating inflation, but uh, you know, good news is it's on the way down in both places. Um, so, um, you know, the the recent weakness, I guess, you know, spreading overseas and the strong dollar, you know, you're actually now seeing U.S. and developed international returns about in line. Uh, year to date. So U.S. caught up maybe by falling a bit less. So, um, you know, turning to the sectors, this is where, you know, we wanted to highlight the mega cap growth weakness, right? It's just been a really strong year for mega cap growth. Uh, That is, of course, mainly housed in the technology sector, but you have some in consumer discretionary and, and communication services as well, the big internet names. They really struggled last week. And people maybe don't don't necessarily think about those types of names as interest rate sensitive, but they are, right? Because a lot of the, you know, the value of these growth names is in future earnings, which which are worth less in, in today's dollars as interest rates rise. So you see here last week, consumer discretionary got hit hard. Um, we're seeing retail earnings this week. Uh, so maybe that'll, uh, you know, help that group stabilize a bit. But uh, communication services, same thing. You know, hit pretty hard last week. Tech was about in line, but but certainly that's not much of a victory when the market's down almost three percent. So, um, you know, the, I think my key takeaway here, Jeff, is don't chase these strong year-to-date gains for the big growth stocks because we actually still think um, value looks a little bit better in the near term. Um, you know, especially if we see interest rates, you know, stay where they are or move a bit higher. But in thinking about, of course, you know, the 70% of the U.S. is, you know, what what the consumer does, you know, consumer spending. That's still, you know, by uh, by a long shot, you know, the the big heavy mover in the economy. So you think about, okay, what is going to start slowing down the activity, the consumer? And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this in just a little bit. You know, the idea that, uh, you know, consumers might be rotating from such a heavy uh or, or more goods uh, focused than they are traditionally uh, since the pandemic, and what that might mean for you know things like traveling, hotel spending, uh, you, you know all kinds of the services side. So, uh, you know, interesting moments, yes, and and a good good call out not to be 
uh, overly quick to, you know, to focus on, you know, what, what might've uh, been big winners in the, in just in the last past few weeks. Absolutely. So let's go to um, the uh, fixed income and commodity market. So we had rates rise, right? I mean, the 10 year yield hit, I think 393 this morning. Um, you know, that of course translates into bond losses. So we have had some, some weakness in the bond market uh, of late. In fact, across the board last week, where you look at the broad bond market measured by the ag or the, you know, treasuries, mortgages, corporates, um, all down. Now, the other side of that is, as rates rise, bonds, you know, offer more income and, and, and start to look more attractive. Um, but certainly you got to catch the top if you really want to have a big win in bonds. And, you know, we're not sure we're quite there yet as the market figures out, you know, the final destination for the yields, right? Um, in fact, you know, right now, Fed funds futures markets pricing in, I think, 5.4% uh, for peak Fed funds, um, you know, the, the target rate for the Fed. Um, but there are others, you know, there are folks talking about upside to that, even. At our investment committee, someone cited, you know, some calls for maybe even a six handle. So, uh, not to be alarmist here, but there is risks that maybe the Fed does even a little bit more uh, than than the market's pricing it. Not our base case, though, right, Jeff? Right. So you know, even the Fed knows they're they're still waiting for the full impact from the rate hikes from last year. So so they know that it, it's not fully you know translated into you know the real economic activity that we see today. And so that's that's one of the reasons why you know I like to explain to our our clients that you know even though inflation came in a little bit hotter you know in the last report I think there's there's no necessarily change in terms of the Fed's uh, this downshift down to 25 basis point hikes uh, it's going to be most interesting for July it's our June uh, and when we hit the summertime in those meetings because that's when I think you know you get a little more clarity that the industry data, particularly industry data for rents, will filter through to the official metrics that the uh, the government supports. But yeah, it's it, it's been uh, it's been difficult for both bond and equity investors uh, in, the, in the last uh, few weeks or two. Yeah, good good points, Jeff. Good points. So um, let's turn to commodities real quick, and then we'll keep moving. Um, so energy. You know, we got a little bit of a, a gain there in, in, in oil last week, and that was the only sector that was up. Um, so, you know, maybe the market's finally starting to respond to the oil market, starting to respond to the China reopening, starting to respond to this better growth data in the U.S. Um, we actually still think the energy sector is an attractive opportunity. Uh, anything else here that you would, would highlight there, Jeff, or should we keep rolling? No, I think I think we're good. Yeah, just uh, in terms of just even precious metals, the the choppiness there. I, I think again, it's it's a, the bigger theme for long term investors is that there there will be choppiness here in the near term uh, across the board, uh, but you know uh, that that shouldn't be long lasting choppiness, if you will. I think that's the, a, a good takeaway. Yeah, and um, by the way, our, our chief technical strategist uh, Adam Turnquist, who's on. Uh, this podcast periodically did a blog about copper and actually the outlook for copper is pretty good here. Um, so um, take a look at that if you're interested, lprresearch.com. 
So let's keep going. S&P 500. Um, a lot of people were focused on the test of 39.40, the 200-day moving average. You know, the stock market passed, right? The S&P 500 held that uh, level on Friday and today. So, um, you know, now I guess we're looking at, um, you know, getting back above the 50-day and holding that sort of uptrend. If, if we drew a line from the October lows uh, through the... Um, you know, the January lows just draw kind of a trend line. Um, we're pretty much right at that line. So we'll be watching for support, you know, kind of where we are right now for um, for a number of reasons. We still think, you know, the stock market can go nicely higher this year, but if rates stay where they are, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tougher, uh, I'll say, to, um, you know, to produce a double digit gain. The Fed and inflation is you know, based on the way we see the world now, uh, the biggest risk. So um, the technical setup is still fairly positive, but um, we got some key key uh, support levels to watch. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the agenda here that, um, you know, rate sensitivity is important to watch. So I threw this chart in, I think is a really important one for people to keep in mind. Uh, the relationship between yields and valuations for the stock market pretty tight, right? So if you have higher yields, that's the upper left in this chart. You tend to have lower price to earnings ratios for the S&P 500, a way of measuring stock valuations. And then the opposite is also generally true. When you get lower interest rates, you tend to have higher stock valuations, right? So, you know, we just priced in 50 more basis points of Fed rate hikes. We just saw you know, actually, we saw the 10-year yield move by about the same amount, right? 50 mm -hmm. basis points. And, you know, that that is being felt in um, in, in the stock market through that valuation, um, we'll call it transmission mechanism. So um, if, if you told me right now that we would end the year at a yield of 350, which is the middle of our LPO research forecast right now, you know, I'd say valuations are probably likely to expand and, you know, maybe the S&P 500 could even make a run at 4,500 at year end. But if you tell me maybe, you know, we'll be at four, four and a half, uh, I'd say, wow, we probably won't even get to 4,300 in that scenario. So while, you know, stocks have been resilient over the last couple of months against higher rates, um, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's not clear how much longer that can continue. So we need inflation to come down and we need, uh, rates to behave. Anything yeah. to add there, Jeff? Yeah. Well, in, in some, uh, kind of a, a funny way to add to that is, you know, inflation coming down rates, you know, changing in, in essence, it's, you need a you need more clarity on, uh, the consumer actually slowing down <laughs> their activities, right? I mean, you know, you go to you you know, go to retail space, and you go to the airport, and uh, you you go to pretty much uh, you know anywhere in this country, and you see just a lot of activity. Uh, in, in fact, it's interesting, just a little bit of side note, you know, the, the San Francisco Fed does a great job of breaking out uh, supply contributions, demand contributions to the overall inflation metric. And for January, the supply contribution on inflation actually increased relative to pre previous month, basically in, in everyday plain English. <laughs> that means that inflation is still 
driven in part by supply chain problems. You just can't get stuff to the consumer fast enough. So yeah, you think about you know yields to to PE, uh, you know markets always pricing in you know six nine months you know forward expectations, um, and so you know it's it's this idea that we're not really seeing uh, this full impact on on tighter policy, you know, higher borrowing costs. It's not really doing anything yet. Uh, does it suggest the Fed needs to keep going? Well, yes. Uh, but we need to we need to be careful on uh, on those lagged effects from last year's hikes to eventually slow down the economy. Watch interest rates. Really, really important. Um, so let's turn to the debt ceiling. So this is the topic of our weekly market commentary for this week, Jeff, which um uh, I guess neither of us wrote, <laughs> but uh, um, we have read it. Uh, Barry Gilbert and Lawrence Gillum did a great job kind of laying this out, what it means, what's likely to happen. Um, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Jeff, to walk through this, but you know, no politician is going to benefit from being responsible for you know, grandma to not get her social security check, right? or for a government employee to not get paid, right? I mean, or the owner of a treasury not getting their interest. This is, um, it's, it's frankly political suicide to do that. So the debt ceiling will be raised. The, all right, it, it just, it will be. Um, that doesn't mean there won't be drama though in the meantime. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to say it, you know, drama in the meantime, which actually goes back to what I was, I was uh, hinting at a little bit earlier in the podcast with you, Jeff, talking about, you know, the fact that this actually uh, debate and, and drama uh, now in the near term actually may set us up for, you know, a, a pretty encouraging uh, Q4 perhaps if we want to go that far out. Uh, and, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, the, the, the government has raised the debt ceiling, you know, almost 80 times since 1960. You know, this is this is fairly common. You don't always get a lot of the headline conversations because you don't always have divided Congress. So it's not an opportunity for you know both sides to you know use use this debate for all kinds of political posturing. But uh, you know the the ceiling is is frequently raised, and uh, the big the big factor I think that investors need to think about is when when is the true you know drop dead date when when we really have a problem it's not right now even though we've passed the debt ceiling treasury can use extraordinary measures to continue to pay some of the obligations so the US doesn't officially default but the the drop dead date or the X date we call it uh, in in markets and in in the sphere of investing, the X date is when you know Treasury runs out of uh, funds for even the extraordinary measures that they can invoke, and so that's probably going to be around July, maybe August. Really depends on how the uh, tax receipt data look. You know, so we have to wait a little bit to see uh, how how long this is going to draw out. But uh, to your point, Jeff, I think it's really important to remember. You know, the debate, the drama will be here in the near term. Uh, the ceiling will be raised. Uh, both sides of the aisle are incentivized to actually do that. And so, you know, when you think about July, August, when we finally get some, you know, clarity and, and get past this hurdle, uh, you know, it actually may, 
you know, again, set us up at that time, we'll probably see inflation numbers be a lot more favorable, you know, for markets. Uh, so, you know, inflation numbers by July, August are better. Debt ceiling is passed by July, August. Now, of course, major unknown is what Putin does in the, you know, the coming months. But some of those, you know, current headwinds that we have here may may turn into tailwinds. Yeah, in a in a recent commentary, um, I refer to this as potentially a barbell year, right? Where we have a strong start, strong finish, and then a lot of weakness in between. And that that may be uh, the recipe when you talk about how long it's going to take for the market to start to celebrate the you know inflation battle having been won, right? Uh, how long will it take the market to celebrate the end of the Fed rate hiking cycle? Uh, and then um, you know certainly the debt limit can be can be a part of that, give investors a lot to celebrate. I mean, maybe we'll even avoid a recession or we'll be done with a very mild and short recession by Q4 and and we can rally in response to that too. Yep, yep. Uh, by the way, just to just to add to the, the story on this, um, so we're showing here in the slide, you know, you got to go back to 2011, August of that year, when, you know, we had kind of our worst scenario where, there was a lot of uh, political drama, to use your word, and Standard and Poor's in turn downgraded uh, the U.S. debt uh, from you know from the very best to a slight you know slight downgrade. First time that ever happened. Uh, markets actually started selling off before August 2011, and a little more you know downside after the announcement from uh, Standard and Poor's, but you know it it, it quickly recovered after that. Again, I think going into the summertime uh, before that X date happens, uh, there there clearly could be some uh, downside risk if we repeat uh, what we saw in 2011. I'll even add earnings to the equation. Decent chance we have an earnings decline in Q1 and Q2. Uh, earnings growth may resume in Q3. So there you go, setting up for maybe a late summer rally. Um, uh, on all of these catalysts, or call it fall rally, uh, that's um, that may be where the um, the year is made. We'll we'll have to see. So um, I guess this is our last um, last kind of topic here, Jeff. Before we go to just previewing the week, so um, you've made the point that the services economy has a lot of upside. Um, so explain what you mean um, by that, and and. Um, you know, is that going to be kind of a, a net gain or is it just going to be a shift? Well, you see in the chart, pre-COVID, roughly 70% of your average consumer spent their money on services, 30% on goods. So that roughly 70-30. It's not perfectly. It's actually, you can see it's about 69, uh, you know, percent on services, but roughly 70-30. COVID completely torqued that. And we're still in the process of kind of reversing and kind of recovering and retooling, recalibrating. Um, what what I think is is worth thinking about is a couple of things. One is I think it has implications for why we see services inflation linger around so long. It's because consumers are kind of going back to you know that more normal ratio on uh, spending for uh, goods and services. So it's so it's an inflation impact. Uh, but I think even uh, equally important and interesting is, you know, the 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 shift from you know 450 billion dollars 
could move from good spending to services spending to get us back to that uh, long-term traditional ratio and how you know the the modern consumer spends their money. Uh, and so I think you know there, there's there's some interesting things again, the, the the retooling is is going to create some choppiness going back to that big picture narrative, I think for 2023. And that is you know choppiness as the consumer kind of removes the goods focus and and moves to services. So I think you know you think about you know what could benefit uh, you know the the health kind of services, communication services, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe the, you know travel, uh, some of that in the consumer uh, discretionary. Uh, categories. Now, granted, you know, it's, it, you can't necessarily uh, look at this, you know, by the typical S&P 500 sectors. But uh, when you, when you think about the amount of money that could rotate out of good spending into services spending is really something I think that investors need to think about going forward. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that some of these post-COVID transitions have really made economic data difficult to forecast. Right. And so, uh, you know, maybe this is kind of the last phase and we can we can move towards normal. Um, so thanks for that, Jeff. We got, let's do the week ahead preview. We got durable goods this morning, which are really good, uh, actually, if you exclude transportation, which is very lumpy. Um, so, you know, not only did you get good orders, but you got good shipments, which goes into GDP. Uh, any comments on the durable goods? Oh, actually, before I ask that. Some economists have been citing weather as responsible for some of this good January data. So takeaways from durable goods and then thoughts on the weather impact. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't put as much uh, emphasis on the monthly orders numbers. They get revised uh, quite uh, quite a lot, but the shipments are a little more uh, important. You know, orders can be canceled or, or unfilled. Uh, in fact, in this M3 report from the Census Bureau, you actually get unfilled uh, as a line item between the orders and the shipments, et cetera. But anyway, the, the point is, as you you highlighted, the shipments component goes into the GDP calculation for CapEx, capital expenditures under the, the business uh, investment uh, portion of the economy. Now, granted, it's not a, a large percentage, as I just said you know, just a few minutes ago, the economy's you know over seventy percent consumer spending. Uh, this goes into the the business side, but you know, one point one percent gain in January. The P stands for preliminary, meaning it will be revised. One point one percent gain in January for shipments, uh, non defense X air. Uh, so, you know, the reason why we exclude aircraft and, and defense, of course, goes into other categories. But you got to remember, that that's a little bit of a payback from, you know, the previous month's minus 0.6%. You got to put these things probably in kind of a three-month moving average. I think it's a lot better. But the, I think the, the takeaway, though, is that we, we left 2022 in kind of a slowdown path. We were we were clearly slowing down. Twenty twenty one was you know the, the all about the reopening. Twenty twenty two was a was a tough year, but we 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 were slowing down. January it doesn't seem like we slowed down much going heading into Q one of twenty twenty three. So I think that's that's the key in terms of the weather patterns. You know, a lot of people talk about weather patterns because 
when we look at data, we seasonally adjust it. And that's basically saying, you know, over the last, you know, 10 years plus, whatever that category of time you want to you know, use, you say, okay, we we can we know there's seasonal patterns based on all these periods of history. Well, if the average temperature in January in the southeast is, you know, is is you know 45, uh, but it turns out 2023, uh, January's temperatures were 10 degrees warmer. Well, clearly that's going to skew a little bit of that seasonal adjustment for the month. Uh, I, you know, I don't spend a ton of, uh, you know, focus on that because I, I, I like to average some of this stuff out because it's so choppy anyway. Um, some people can use weather as kind of a, a, you know, a great way to explain away, you know, anything they don't like is <laughs> yeah, they'll just say, oh, it's weather. Um, but it, but that clearly does affect the seasonal adjustment process, given given what I what I just said. You know, in terms of you know what I'm looking for this week, a um, couple things. I would say probably the the most important is to, is the March first number uh, data that comes out of ISM. So we know jobs are still pretty hot. We know consumer spending is is pretty decent. So we're continuing to track what are businesses telling us because that's often the first sign of that slowdown businesses will start reporting a slowdown and then you'll you'll actually see it in other areas of the economy and you know we, we've been seeing this for the last several months the ism numbers institute supply management uh anything below 50 means it's contracting so 50 is kind of your average right if it's above 50 that means that the business sector is growing below 50. Uh, as I said, contracting. So, you know, we've seen these some of these numbers on um, prices paid uh, falling below 50. That's clearly a good sign because that's meaning that's that's implying it means for us that inflation is not just decelerating, but prices are actually lower than they were the previous month. Uh, so clearly that's that's very encouraging for the inflation data. That's one of the reasons, Jeff, why we're a little bit outside consensus, meaning that we think at least by the summertime, by that by that June meeting, the Fed's going to have some inflation data that actually looks pretty decent. Uh, we're starting to see outright price declines in the industry data, uh, including uh, some of the the data that you highlighted here with the ISM prices paid component. Yeah, the the ISM is, is one of my favorite economic data points because of the the close relationship to earnings. And it has a little bit of a forward-looking um, capability within it, so um, that that'll be um, you know important to watch. Maybe the you know this better durable goods number, maybe this better weather uh, gives us um, a little bit of a lift, and 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 the ISM uh, comes in better than expected. We'll have to see. Uh, some of you may be looking for the jobs report on Friday. Well, you're off a week. It's March 10th. Um, I don't know why that is. But <laughs> Jeff, you probably know, because I was I was looking for it on the third, um, some sort of calendar quirk, I guess. Yeah, that, that's a that's an excellent call out, Jeff, because yeah, I think most people do expect the first Friday of the month to be the jobs report. Uh, it, it it's not always the case. Part of it's driven by the fact that February is a shorter month, and so you know that that impacts um, data flow and uh, data collection. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, you have to wait till the next Friday. So good, good call out on there. Well, um, you know, hopefully, I guess the consensus is two hundred thousand. 
hopefully we don't get something as hot as last month because we're going to just ratchet Fed expectations even higher if we do. So, you know, somewhere in that two to 300 range would be great um, if we can get it. So um, let's go ahead and wrap there. Um, thank you, Jeff, for joining. Thank you, all of you, for listening uh, to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. I know, Jeff, you will not be with me next week because you will be in Europe uh, enjoying a conference with, with some of our uh, top clients. So enjoy that. Um, probably be probably be Adam Turnquist or Quincy next week. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll just leave that um, as a surprise for all of you. Actually, it could be Lawrence too. We'll, we'll have to see. We got we got some good choices for you. So please join us next next week. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Take care. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.